as you already know that we've read from that portion that we've read before back in June last year we looked at the nation of Israel 45 days out from the exodus and they were already complaining and they were griping and complaining about the lack of food and the need of food and the Lord provided the manna in our reading this morning from Exodus 16. <clears throat> we looked at the historical account and a little at the manna itself. We ventured into John chapter 6 and it talks there about the Lord being the bread of life and compared manna to the bread from heaven, the Lord Jesus. And today we're going to look at the manna itself because we didn't do this. I remember I had it there, but the Time was too short, so we'll use that today, and then that will lead into the Lord's Supper after the service this morning. Uh, the account given in Exodus 16 and Numbers 11, if studied carefully, you'll follow that it, or, or find that it, it speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ as the bread of life. And as we said in the book of John, chapter 6, there the Lord used that illustration from the Old Testament about the manna. Well, let's take a little read there. Chapter 6 of John and verse 31. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And this is the religious leaders asking the Lord, what sign showest thou? And they said, he gave us manna. What are you going to do? And Jesus said unto them, I mean, what an opening for an answer. What a question to answer for the Lord himself. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you. It was God that gave it, not Moses. Moses might have been an instrument. The Father giveth the true bread from heaven. That was just temporal bread. This is going to be permanent, true bread. For the bread of God is he who cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. I dare say that the Pharisees by this time wished they hadn't asked the question. Because <laughs> he could turn it around and use the Bible to say, look, see, <laughs> this is who it's talking about. It's talking about me. I am the bread of life. Verse 35, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. You're missing out on the true bread. <laughs> this, uh, and, and so the Lord was able to do that. He was quick. He knew the word. He knew what to say. He had to put it to have the most effect in the fewest words. In some verses you come across, you say, how could the Lord fit so much? How could the Holy Spirit inspire someone to fit so much into so little a, a phrase? But he does. He's God. <laughs> um, <clears throat> The writer of Hebrews in the New Testament reminds us that within the Ark of the Covenant, that's the Ark and the mercy seat on top, the lid, he reminds us there the Ark of the Covenant was the golden pot that had manna. In Hebrews 9.4 it reads, take a... No, sorry, this is in Exodus. In Hebrews 9.4 it talks about the golden pot that had manna. And in Exodus 16... Full of manna. Take a pot, put it in, put an omer of manna in there and lay it up before the Lord. You know what happens if you keep bread for more than uh, what five days it goes? 
mouldy and um, <clears throat> unedible. But this manna was miraculously kept in that pot in the ark uh, under the Lord's instruction. Now, <clears throat> the manna, the word manna, which in the Hebrew it means, what is it? In the Chaldean, it is a portion. In the English, it's bread. And so this is what the, the different views of it, and they understood it, what it meant in their language. If you say, have you got any bread? It would be like them saying, what is it? <laughs> so um, I don't <laughs> recommend you to ask that of your wife when she dishes up a meal. <laughs> You'd be in trouble. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> but um, <clears throat> praise the Lord for give give thanks and eat it <laughs> and enjoy it and say so that was good, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Afterward, but um, just a recommendation, <laughs> especially when you're first married, Troy. Okay, this manner. Bountifully was provided, miraculously was provided for 40 years to millions of people. And today, if you go into a big city, Melbourne, Sydney or Brisbane, how many, how many people live in Brisbane? It's about three and a half million, yeah. Okay, so about, about that many people. And all the trucks that go in there and all the bakeries that bake the bread, the tip-top and whatever else, and come out, this is what was provided every day for 40 years for all these people, about that many people. I was thinking Melbourne City, but they're a bit bigger than that. They're double, probably the size of people that were fed. <clears throat> but God just rained it down. He, he can do it simply and easily because he's the Lord. But He, as they journeyed in the wilderness, this great provision was there. This manna didn't cease until the day that they crossed the Jordan and entered into the promised land. In the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 5, we see the day, the time it ceased. And Joshua 5 verse 10 says, And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at evening in the plains of Jericho. So what day was it they left Egypt? What do we say? What happened on that day? Passover. And here it is again, Passover. Forty years later, they kept the Passover day, the month at evening in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land. And on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. The manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna any more, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year, the land that flowed with milk and honey. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless us. We look at this manna in particular. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have provided manna from heaven, the true bread, the satisfying bread, the lasting, sustaining bread the bread of God, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, who come down to satisfy the spiritual hunger of every person ever born. Thank you for the promise of this bread. If we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. We turn about and trust him 
for all that he provides for us. Bless the study, the service, the message, and Lord, may each one of us take an application to our own hearts today as we consider the bread of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. So let us notice today the description of this manner as given in the scriptures and how it pictures the Lord Jesus Christ in every aspect. And if you've got your little, in your hymn book, you've got the little outline there, you can follow along and add the additional verses in you wish to, if you wish to. First of all, it was small. It was a small thing. <laughs> um, verse 14 of chapter 16 of Exodus. And when the Jew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, a small thing. <laughs> And uh, as we put in there, the it's there, yes, speaks of the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ, the humility of the Lord. He became small that we might have life eternal. And in Philippians, it tells us so. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, But he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. <laughs> the God of eternity, the creator of the universe and of all things in this world and ourselves took upon himself this, made himself of no reputation. He became small that we might have life. He was humbled, took upon himself humility of no reputation, it says there. James tells us in chapter 4 and verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. The Lord humbled himself in his father's sight and, yes, (laughs) he was lifted up. (laughs) Lifted up in the resurrection. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, we read, In like manner, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder, yea, all of you. Be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Just reading last night, or was it this morning, about the thing that keeps most people away from God is their pride. They don't want to humble themselves. And the longer they live and the more prosperous they become and the more things they have, the more they resist God's call to their heart. Why do I need God when I've got all this stuff that he provided? So, small The Lord took upon him, and the Lord will use small things to do his great work. And amazing things that happened throughout Scripture as you're reading through, and they come across a miracle that happened, and it was a small thing. A small thing that God used, and God can use us. If we don't think we're anything, God can use us. God can use us. And he gets the glory because it wasn't our, our own efforts. Our own flesh that did it. The second thing that we find here about this bread in that same verse where we were in Exodus sixteen fourteen, it was round. When the the Jew lay, it was gone up, behold, lay a small round thing, a small round thing. Um, when in weddings we talk about the ring being round, picturing eternity, the long lasting, that's what marriage is to be, isn't it? And it speaks also not only of eternality, but of the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
In John 1.14, it tells us there, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. He was perfect. If he was not perfect, as we say many times, he would not have been raised from the dead. But he was perfect. And so we can praise the Lord for that. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 22, who did no sin, yes, we neither was guile found in his mouth that one there John 4, 19 4 says this Pilate said behold I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find what no fault in him and there was no fault found by Pilate in the Lord Jesus Christ he was perfect he was perfect in all his generations as it says in another scripture in Revelation 22, verse 14, it reads, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the spotless, eternal Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, round, perfection. This manner was not only <coughs> small and round, But uh, in chapter 16 and verse 31, skipping a few verses, we'll come back to verse 14. But the house of Israel called the name thereof manna, and it was like coriander seed, white. So we pick up there on the white aspect of it. And white speaks of purity in wedding dresses. White, (laughs) purity of the Lord. Hebrews 7.26, For such a high priest becometh us, who is holy, Harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. <laughs> They're harmless, holy, and separate from sinners. He is holy. Holy, holy is his name. When um, Brother Crook prays, he starts his prayer like that. <laughs> holy, 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 I think you say, is the Lord. And he is holy. And what do the... What do the beasts and what do the elders say in the book of Revelation about the Lord Jesus sitting on the throne? Holy, holy, holy. holy. Lord God Almighty is the Lord Jesus Christ. Perfection. You know, we've got an idea of perfection. Have you ever done something? Not quite right. Do it again and do it again. I was doing that this week all the time. Just trying to get the paddock level. And you'd go, you'd work your way sideways and you'd be 50 yards and look back. No, nah, there's a big hump back there. It's dusty, cold and windy and you don't want to go back and do it all again. But you do it all again so that you get it, get it right. And you're still going to get it right. <laughs> Too many clumps of grass in it all, all holding together. But uh, you, you fight against that. And we fight against imperfection in everything we do. We think we've got it just right. We've got it all stitched up. We've got it. So it's perfect. And God says no. (laughs) You know, if ever man is involved, there is sure to be something imperfect. But when God is involved, it's perfect. It's pure. It's white. And can you imagine the whiteness and brightness of the garment of salvation that will be given, the robe of righteousness, when we get to heaven and he gives that to every believing person that turns up. And uh, you won't be dazzled. Your eyes will be adjusted, but it'll be the brightness of that with his glory shining and the whiteness of that robe. Praise the Lord for that. Um, in, in Luke's gospel, chapter 1, verse 35, 
the angel said to Mary this, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The holy thing, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and Mary would have, well, that's why she pondered these things in her heart, did she not? Revelation 19 verse 8, that which relates to the Lord Jesus and to her, that is the Lamb's wife, was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, as I've just mentioned, clean and white, for fine linen is the righteousness of saints. I jumped ahead and grabbed that verse. <laughs> but white, it's round, it's small. And back in verse 14, it says, as the hoar frost. In the summertime, you forget about the frosty mornings. <laughs> but they're coming and they're being. Us, country, us people that live in Europe and other places where it gets cold, very cold. <clears throat> I thought I was there this week. It was freezing at Jembrook because <laughs> it's a lot higher and there's a breeze coming off not far away from the ocean and it felt like it was from the Arctic. <laughs> Three jumpers and a postal jacket to stop the breeze coming through you. Still didn't work. <laughs> but this was something that fell that looked like the hoar frost. What do you feel like on a morning when it's like that? You feel very fresh, <laughs> very fresh, and it's very crisp. You certainly wouldn't go to sleep sitting out there. And speaking of the freshness of Christ, the hoar frost, read Second Corinthians 5.17. It says there, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, Behold, all things have become new. When you meet the Lord Jesus Christ, when you become a Christian, when you trust him as your saviour, all things become new. You get a fresh start, a new beginning, a clean slate, as we say, to live the rest of your life. Because the Lord does that for us. And that freshness in Christ. Isn't it good? I think Troy mentioned this morning in the adult class, as new Christians, we have the zeal to, to go witness and testify. There's a fresh understanding of it. There's the learning of all the new things, what you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that can go on for, if you're, if you're a bit slower at picking it up or don't spend as much time, it might go on for five years. But if, if one is keen and really, wow, you know, look what we have in Christ, that can happen within 18 months that you grasp so many new truths and the freshness of Christ. And as Troy said this morning, don't lose that freshness. He didn't use those words, but he, the, the sentiment was there. Don't lose the freshness of being with Christ. Don't lose the desire to get in his word and, and, and discover more things about the Lord, some, more, some deeper things of the Lord. And uh, keep your life fresh, new. <laughs> now, his, his mercies are, it says in the scripture, new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. In Romans 7, 6. We find written, but now we are delivered from the law, that being dead in which we were held under the law, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. We don't just keep a law, we obey because of the wonderful grace of Jesus given to us in salvation. And so we serve in newness of spirit. You know, there's, some, there's things happen in our life that can bring grief to us and sorrow and heartache. And you might feel like Job at times. 
But remember in the Lord Jesus Christ what the psalmist said in Psalm, was it 73 or 74? There that I considered the end of those people that don't have the Lord Jesus, then my mind changed. (laughs) Then I was content with the Lord Jesus and what he gives us. And we need to do that. I need to do that. You need to do that. We serve in newness of the letter, I mean the spirit. The oldness of the letter, thou shalt not, thou shalt. (laughs) Yes, we do that because we love him, not because there's a law written that we must do that. That's what Christ wants. He wants it from our heart and not from our head. And uh, all through life, I've (laughs) continually learnt that in experience. God blesses when it's done from our hearts in the newness of spirit and not because I've got a letter that tells me I must do it. Now in the hard times when we're fighting against it, it might be, yeah, thus saith the Lord, let's just keep going. <laughs> be faithful, be faithful, continue. Revelation 21 verse 5 reads, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these, are the, these words are true and faithful. I make all things new. We all like new things. A new car, you get in it and you know it's new. You can smell that new. They say it's bad for you, but it smell, you've got that new smell if you've ever been in a new car. But it lasts about nine months and the new smell's gone. And the Lord will have something new for us. You think of it in eternity. What is it? New life. For all eternity that we'll enjoy. What else is new in the Bible that talks about? There's many of them. There should be something on your mind. Are you thinking about these things? <laughs> new <laughs> heaven, new earth, earth new body. Body. a new body. Yep. New Jerusalem. Are you read them all? They're all new. New clothes, <laughs> never wear out. And uh, as we've read about them this morning, yes, freshness of the Lord Jesus. He delivers these things to us and will deliver those things for us for all eternity. And it will be always new. Hmm. You can shut shut the car up and you can shut your house up in a drought, but the dust still gets in there, doesn't it? How did it get in there? (laughs) And you have to dust it off. I don't think there's dust around in heaven. That'd be imperfect. <laughs> you know? The fella comes in to inspect your house. Have you cleaned the house? He puts his white gloves on. You see him do, do that. Well, is it the Navy? I don't know. And then he goes up to the little of the door, <laughs> up there where you never see, and runs his little white glove and comes up all, maybe you clean it. I don't know. <laughs> no, we, ours gets a clean when we do a paint job. You get up there, we don't see it. But you run across there or, or, or go to the top of your cupboards above the kitchen. I was talking to the folks over here and they wanted someone to clean that grease that gets with the dust that settles on top of the kitchen. Not dirty in heaven. There mustn't be deep fryers. <laughs> no oil and no evaporation. But it will be new all the time. You can think of that. Doesn't it tell us? I hadn't seen, nor he heard, neither has it. We need to think about these and meditate upon them and enjoy the fact 
that Christ is going to give thing, all things new, all things fresh for all eternity. The Lord gives a new start to those that come to him. For the Christian that has sinned and repents and confesses, he gives a new start to them too. The consequences, as David found, will go on, but that gives a fresh start for that person that obeys and believes. The, th- the fifth thing we see about this, this bread is like coriander seed in verse 31 back there. It's like coriander seed. And this speaks of the fragrance of Christ. And the Song of Solomon says in chapter 1 and verse 3, that thy name is like ointment poured forth. Reminds you of the lady breaking the alabaster box and uh, <clears throat> the fragrance of Christ. And this was done for his burial. She did for his burial, not knowing what was about to happen in the Lord's life. The Song of Solomon, chapter 5 and verse 13, reads, His lips like lilies drop sweet-smelling myrrh. He must brush his teeth. <laughs> this is the, talking about the bridegroom, if you read about the Song of Solomon, and um, <clears throat> there the, she is said of him, picturing the Lord Jesus Christ, his lips like a lily's drop sweet-smelling myrrh. In the Song of Solomon again, chapter 3 and verse 3, Who is this that cometh out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all powers of the merchant with all the things that the merchant man has as he brings his trailer with all the goodies on it for perfumed with myrrh and frankincense and it's a picture the bridegroom there in the song of solomon a picture of the lord jesus christ <clears throat> and as i mentioned mary took a pound of ointment of spinnaket in john 12 and verse 3 and like coriander seed speaks of the fragrance of Christ. When the Lord Jesus comes into the life of a person, the fragrance from that person should be a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Complete change from the attitude and the actions and the reactions to what it was before we become a Christian. And sixthly, this bread, this manna from heaven, and this is in Numbers, the only one from, or two from Numbers we have, Numbers 11 and verse 8. There we read, And the people went out about and gathered it and ground it in mills and beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it and taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. And to, so here, taking out that thought there, the taste of fresh oil, speaking of the authority of Christ as the anointed one. That's what they did with kings. Uh, <coughs> Saul and David and Solomon they anointed the king and others went and anointed Abner went and anointed another king and, and they, down in the south they anointed David and then there was, a, there was a, there was fights between them who was really the king and Abner eventually submitted to David's authority though he was killed a little later so they anointed the king the Lord is the anointed one in Luke 4 and verse 18 we read there Luke four eighteen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And so there he is the anointed one to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He's the sent one. God has, in John 4.34, He whom God has sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. In other words, he has the full presence of the Spirit of God upon him, and that was evident in his ministry as you read through the Gospels, and the miracles he did, and the things that he said. He was like fresh oil, the authority of Christ. One day the rulers and the kings of this world, if they don't do it down here, they will bend their knee and bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one we bow to, is there not? We hear a lot about bowing these days, but who do you bow to? And when you bow before something, you're you're worshipping that. They're doing it all around the place in this world we live in. And it's not right. There's only one we bow to. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And because he has the authority. He can, he's the one that says what goes and what doesn't go. He's the one we bend and bow to. And it won't, he won't have to grab us and force us to. It'll just be a natural reaction. Even the unsafe people, when they stand before the judgment of God at the great white, they will bow in awe at the Lord, but not in repentance. Too late for that. He has the authority. All judgment, remember, has been given to the Son, who has the authority to judge and uh, <clears throat> to sentence people and to be bowed to. And this reference here that the Lord quoted in verse 18 of Luke, I mean, chapter 4, verse 18, is from Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 3. You can read that at your leisure. And seventhly, back in chapter 16, and verse 31, this manna from heaven was like wafers made with honey. Like wafers made with honey. Wafers made with honey. What can you liken that to? They put cereal, they put all sorts of things in cereal, but honey on it. Okay, it's got it's got the sweetness in there. Now, when they say today they put honey in it, I think "Mm, probably sugar, (laughs) not honey, not the real McCoy. (laughs) You you like that? Just don't trust (laughs) what these big money-making businesses do and say. But like the Lord, (laughs) like wafers, that's what it tasted like: wafers made with honey. And the Lord Jesus. This is speaking of the Lord Jesus. He is sweet to the taste of anybody that partakes of him. Eat my flesh, spiritually speaking. Psalm 119 verse 103. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. That's what it says of the, of the Lord's word. And the, the Lord Jesus is the word. And he is sweet. Who's, who's a sweet tooth? On surely you like a lolly or two. Those hard boiled lollies that go for a long time. <laughs> mm. 
there's none here, so you <laughs> think about it. But sweetness of the Lord lasts a long time. <laughs> Partake of the Lord and his sweetness. Uh, <clears throat> sweeter than honey to my taste. And, and when we get to heaven, it'll be absolutely true that the Lord Jesus will be sweet to the taste for all eternity. Amen. Nothing sweeter. And so... <clears throat> With that, I can say you can have a lolly or two. <laughs> as long as your cholesterol's not up too high. Look, folks, I know people that ate no sugar, not one drop whatsoever, and their cholesterol was through the roof. They manufactured it. <laughs> You're not going to give it to me, I'll make it, <laughs> the old body said. And they, they, they lived there, you know, for 30 years denying themselves of all that, but still they had to take medication to keep it down. <clears throat> balanced diet whatever you enjoy it if you give thanks for it eat it and enjoy it that's what it says in the scriptures but there is a balance in it all isn't there I, I went I went and visited dad I've been trying to ring him he just doesn't hear the phone or something I said I'll ring I said where is that phone in this house <laughs> he went around and that, around there I said well the mobile done that the mobile two mobiles done it and <clears throat> Went past there, but um, at that that age, what, 90, 91, he started shuffling. <laughs> I thought, oh, he's, he's a little bent. Hadn't seen him for a year or two. Right. That would be at least two years since I was there. But <clears throat> praise the Lord, he's still got the strength. And he's still, you know what he's still waiting for? Yeah. <laughs> and, and elderly people, they're waiting for that. The Lord's return. The anticipation of being with him and partaking of him and the sweetness. No, <clears throat> he eats, he, my dad, I, I said to him, he, the vitamins were there on the table. You should, that's what I was raised. He said in 1970, I read about vitamins. He, he told me yesterday. <laughs> and he's, I said, well, something must be working <laughs> because he's still going. And, and you don't say, oh, I've got this or that. Because what will he say? He's a vitamin. <laughs> no, this was, I said, well, <clears throat> but he did have a balance. In he, he had jam on his toast when I turned up <laughs> yesterday morning. Aha, uh-huh, right, he's eating sugar. But he's, as, as, as the doctor said to mum before she died, this is a few years before she passed away, she's still at Alexandria, and she's, he said, look, forget that. I don't know if she said, don't listen to him, but <laughs> to Dad, but enjoy some chocolate now and then. <laughs> That's what the doctor said. I thought, and you know what? When they were cleaning the house out, this is a secret. <laughs> <laughs> when they cleaned the house out at Akron, my brother and sister-in-law went there and they cleaning everything out and they took taking the pot plants out and they, what's all this? All the vitamin tablets that Dad had gave Mum, <laughs> and she put them. <laughs> I thought, oh, that's pretty good. That's Mum. Yep, <laughs> cheeky at times, but <clears throat> yep. God blesses us with the sweetness of His provisions that He provides for us in the Lord Jesus. Speaks of honey. Song of Solomon, chapter two and verse three. The apple tree, as the apple tree among the trees of the wood. So is my beloved among the sons 
I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. So you sit under the tree of the Lord and enjoy the things of the Lord, and it's sweet to your taste. And the last one here we have is in chapter 11 of the book of Numbers, and this time verse 7. You might find some more. I, I have read some we didn't even cover today. And the manna was as coriander seed, and the colour thereof was as the colour of bedlam. Bedlam, yeah. This speaks of the costliness of Christ. Like the beryl crystal, he is precious. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 6 and 7 read, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. In, in verse 7, unto you therefore who believe he is precious. Do you believe the Lord Jesus is precious? And this is a picture of the Lord Jesus in this bread of life. He is precious. He is rich unto all that call upon him. He is rich in grace. He is rich in mercy. He is rich, rich in his blessings. And for eternity, it will go on. It will go on. We have no comprehension really in this mortal body. Well, a little, but not a complete comprehension of what the Lord will provide for us in eternity. Yes, the Lord Jesus is a sufficient provision. He that gathered little had no lack, and they that gathered more <laughs> didn't have anything left over. There was we, we, we can all come to the Lord Jesus and find a sufficient provision, a satisfying provision. The Lord Jesus, the taste of it was like wafers made with honey, a satisfying provision. And yet these people were grumbling. We're not looking at that so much this morning, but at the manner itself. And a sustaining provision. The children of Israel did eat manna 40 years until they came to the land to be inhabited. The Lord Jesus said, as we read this morning in John, uh, well, we didn't read verse 51, but it says there, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If any man eat this bread, he shall live for how long? Forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh that I give for the life of the world. If only people would see that. The unsaved person would say, see that he, the Lord Jesus, is the bread of life. And until they do, they're lost. And judgment will come their way. There are two other things just mentioning those points that are at the bottom of the outline. <clears throat> the manner explains who Jesus is, which we've done. The manner illustrates how Jesus came from heaven at night in the darkness of the night when the need was greatest. On the Jew, as a type of the Holy Spirit, in the wilderness, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. It's not paradise in the wilderness. To a rebellious people that were rebelling against the Lord, where they were, God has provided a means where we're at to come and meet our needs. He's made all the moves to come that we might receive salvation. And sec thirdly, the manner shows what we must do with the Lord Jesus Christ. We must sense the need. I mean... When you're hungry, your stomach tells you, I'm hungry. <laughs> you can try and go on a diet and eat less. You're always, hung it's, you're always hungrier on a diet because you're thinking about food. 
And we must sense our need. We must sense that we are hungry and we need God. We need his filling. We need his spirit. And in every area of life, we need him. There's a song that says that. We must stoop to pick up the, the manna that's fallen on the ground. We must humble ourselves before the Lord. We've mentioned that. But we must do with the Lord Jesus. This is what we must. We must sense our need. We must stoop to pick this up. We must take it for ourselves. Dad can't take it for us. Every man had an omer that he must take to meet his needs. And everyone must do it for themselves. Not anyone else doing it for someone else. It would be good if a godly Christian parents could make their Christians be, I mean, make their children become Christians, but they cannot. They have to take for themselves. And it's sad when children don't take for themselves, having heard the word. We must do it early, before what happened. The sun came up and it melted away. <laughs> and we must do it when the opportunity arises, take of the bread of life. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. And we must continue to feed on him forever. Once we're saved, we must feed on him, on his word. And I pray that we do. <clears throat> the test of our spiritual walk is this. Do I think enough of the Lord Jesus and his word to start my day and to end my day with meditating and reading his word and praying through his word and studying that? Do I think enough of him to take the manna and partake of him on a regular basis? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. And I pray that it's in everybody's heart this morning that's here and listening in. That we might take the manna. It's for eternity that it will bless us. Partake of the Lord Jesus Christ every day of our lives and think about him often and speak about him often. Thank you for all your provisions. May you bless us as we, at this time, remember the Lord Jesus and what he has done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.